Welcome to Animorphs Anonymous, the podcast where we no longer talk about Animorphs because we've already done that. But we're not ready to say goodbye to Catherine Applegate and Michael Grant. Turns out they wrote more books. What? Books that we will be reading and casually discussing? You bet. Join us on the 1st and the 15th of each month as we morph into the Apple Grant Book Club. Walt no scrub. A scrub is a guy who can't get no love from me, just like Strand Braxton. Oh shit, I want to take the Strand Braxton carrot that you dangled in front of me, but I saw a meme today and I don't think I can bypass it. Okay. Because it was about no scrubs and it was how his hanging out the passenger side of his best friend's ride in this economy is now just an intelligent move and I'm intrigued. <laughs> so we. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Now Strand Braxton. Oh my god. That was very good. I'm so glad you told me Yeah, I had to. I had to. I couldn't bypass that. Oh my god. Delightful. Listen, immediately skipping to the letters, and I'm mad. But I can't talk about it, because I can't skip there. (sighs) livid. This is the only part of this part of the book that he appears, but it's it's more than enough. I fucking hate that man. I want... To put him in the deepest pit of hell. Yes, please. The deepest pit. Satan's butthole. Go away, <laughs> Strand Braxton. You're the worst. It, it was the worst. It was so manipulative. Mm. He said so many things that I hated. It's almost like he's almost like becoming a parody of himself. But it's not that far-fetched. It's very realistic still. So it's just infuriating and I hate him. Yes. Like, it's yes. so ridiculous. It's so ridiculous, but it it feels like you've heard this before. So it's Absolutely. not. It's not out of left field and I hate it. Ugh. It's, yeah. It's so fucking, I, fuck. Fuck this guy. Fucking hate this guy. I'm mad that Rio spends any fucking time thinking about this dumb motherfucker. <laughs> She's just so much better than that. She's so much better than that. Much better than that. Uh, you know, okay, I just had a thought. So, yeah. Strand's always saying like, oh, I just wish you were the girl I knew back in, in Jedwall Falls or whatever. It's like, yeah, she probably wishes you were the guy that she knew back in Jedwall Falls before she found out you were an absolute fucking dick. Yep. Yep. I th- okay. The other thing that pisses me off about that so much is that like all he is saying is I wish you were the girl that I still had power over. I wish you were still the person you were when I could control you. Mm-hmm. And so little makes me angrier than that. I want her to kick his ass so hard. I I want this so much. I want this so, so much. I do appreciate there were several points in this part. I don't know if I highlighted all of them. There were several points where everybody talked about how useless the Air Force was and like made dicks <laughs> at the Flyboys and shit. Like, yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> like, oh, the flyboys are complaining that they don't want to fly over because we're shooting at them or some sh- <laughs> Like, this is a very thinly disguised disdain yeah. for them, and I loved it. And then the, the Air Force has the biggest fuck-up in the book and ends oh up shooting god. a bunch of fucking innocent people. Oh my god. Listen, this part of this book is like a next-level upsetty spaghetti. It's... God, it's it's fucking rough. And it's like, it's rough in a way that it hasn't been yet, I think. Like, all of the, like, horror has been on a very, like, personal level. Like, oh, this is happening to this character, and this has happened to this character's mother or friend or whatever. This is, like, this is what's happening to, like, a large group of people. <laughs> yep. Yep. And... <sighs> I, <laughs> every, okay, I'll say this. Every time I would open it up and I would see that we were on a rainy chapter, <sighs> I'd be like, fuck. <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's so rough. It's so rough. It's so, it's so rough. And also like, like, okay, so our hatred for Strand Braxton is like I hate him so much but like it's amazing that like we can hate a character that is fake so much the inverse of that happened in this book because never have I loved someone more than Bernard so instantaneously oh Bernard yeah and I'm mad at Michael Grant for being good at writing characters that I love and hate he can't win okay he can't win Let's just let's set that aside. There's no winning in this scenario. I don't want him to write shittier characters. Right. I don't think he could I don't think it's possible to write better characters. I hate Stram Braxton. I love Bernard, and I hate what you did to me. So <laughs> there's no winning. I hope you're happy, Michael Grant. You've created a no-win scenario for yourself. Oh dear. Oh, Sweet little Bernard who just wanted to skip school to catch fish and eat his ham sandwich. <laughs> Sweet little boy. Oh, delightful child. Delight, like, and who says that ever? Whoever says right. delightful child? We don't. We don't like children here at Animorphs <laughs> Anonymous. <laughs> like as a general rule, and yet, and yet here we are, loving Bernard. <laughs> His stupid fishing line. <laughs> and his weird forced dwelling ways. Oh my god. Yeah. I like I mean Rio is an incredible badass, but oh my god, Rainy. And then Frangie was just like a soothing bomb every time we got to her chapter. I was like, Thank you for letting me rest here for a moment. I know. I'm here for your awkward conversation oh, <laughs> with the guy that really you were rough. Crush on. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, Frangie, like like the salt of powder, a a soothing healing. I don't know what what salt of powder. Is. I don't know. It's probably not soothing or healing. <laughs> well, maybe healing. I don't know. <laughs> not soothing. Uh, she was the she was handing us story wise the little M and M's pouch that makes us feel human for just a moment. Yep. Reminds us that it's going to maybe be okay. Probably not, yeah, but... Probably. 
Oh my god. Should should we get into it? Yes. Okay. Yes, we should. Alright. Fucking heavy trigger warnings, everyone. All of them. Again. Pretty much, yeah. Pretty much all of them. Yeah. Alright, and this is chapter 12 through uh, upper caps part 2 of this part book. Two. But all, all caps. If you put it lowercase, you can fuck right off. <laughs> That's right, go Get out of this podcast. Go after him. Go off. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Dear God, it's going to be like the second L all over again. A <laughs> hey, horse girls joke. You're welcome. Nice. <laughs> this podcast sponsored by horse girls. This this podcast is now sponsored by horse girls. Do you want me to read an ad? I can do it in my Victorian scrimless one. Dear God, I'm so sorry. We can continue. <laughs> oh god okay all right we're gonna start in rainy's perspective um and she's with philippe and etienne and marie and the british guys um philippe is handing out weapons um he's giving everyone sten guns not stun guns sten s-t-e-n it's like a shitty like automatic machine gun thing um and everybody gets one except for Etienne, and he is given a pistol and grenades, and he starts whining, and Rainy's paranoia is kicking in, and she's like, a pistol is the less deadly of the two, and this is probably completely intentional, because he's not trustworthy, and then she's like, alright, you don't know that, like, calm down. Um, Sergeant Hooper talks Rainy through operating the Sten, because it's British, and so is he. Um... <laughs> It's true. That's exactly kind of what it says, but still funny to hear. Um, their plan is to blow up a German fuel depot that is the main supply for the Das Reich. Uh, Philippe and Rainy will con themselves into the camp by pretending that they're selling contraband, and Etienne, Marie, and Wickham are supposed to provide a diversion at 1.05 a.m., which will allow the former party to blow up the fuel tanks with Molotov cocktails. Hooray! Um, and then a smaller batch of freedom fighters will sh- be down the road, uh, slowing any German reinforcements. It's a very simple plan. It's very dangerous. Um, and Philippe and Rainy set off in a horse-drawn cart, and Philippe talks about his backstory, about how he knew Marie and Etienne when they were all children, and they grew up in a town called, I'm going to fuck this up, Oradeur-sur-Glan, um, which is not to be confused with Oradeur-sur-Vire. Vire? I don't know. Um, It's a more different town. They're both called Orador. This is important later. Um, And they talk briefly about how Marie has a crush on Philippe, and it's very cute. And then Rainy tries to get Philippe to talk about Etienne, but he's just kind of like, that guy, and then doesn't say anything else. (laughs) Um, They travel for a while longer, and they finally reach the first gate of the German fuel depot, Philippe points out that these guys are likely not SS, but they are Polish or Ukrainians that have been pressed into service. Um, the guards stop them about 100 yards away, which is a little bit too far for them to be able to be very effective. Um, and they launch into their spiel about selling cognac and their brother and sister and blah, 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 the backstory that they made up. So the Germans are kind of intrigued and they wave them closer, but they have weapons trained on them. And Rainy starts, like, blabbering on to them to buy time, and the guard starts to get suspicious of her. Um, 
And then there is some automatic fire in the distance, and the guard looks away briefly, but before he can react, Rainy has shot him, the nearby sergeant, and the lock on the gate. Like, fucking no hesitation. She just takes him out. Um, so the German camp is now alerted, and they hear shouting, and they hear, like, a siren going off. Etienne was supposed to set off grenades so that the Germans would run to his group and actually do the diversion, but the diversion was not very effective, and now the Germans are running towards Rainy and Philippe. Um, they go into the camp anyway and quickly find huge pyramids of fuel drums, and they're hiding behind a forklift and spraying gunfire to slow the Germans down. Philippe holds them off, and Rainy runs towards the fuel and starts spraying holes in them with her machine gun, then quickly realizes she has no matches and no lighter, which you'd think they would have figured that out before they went in here, but whatever. Um, so she has to run back to Philippe, who smokes cigarettes, and she grabs some matches from him and his Molotov cocktail. In those short seconds of time, a crowd of soldiers has appeared, um, and they are splashing through the leaking gasoline, and she kind of thinks to herself, man, these guys aren't even Germans, they're they're dudes that were just pressed into service. Oh well! (laughs) She lights the rag on the cocktail and, and starts this big fucking fire explosion situation. Um... And she gets back to Philippe, and he informs her that the ambush has been set off, and the road is closed, and they have to take the train tracks. So they grab the forklift, and they drive it past this giant wall of flame and all these, like, running people, and they fucking slam into the chain-length fence, and they get caught up in it, and then they both run into the woods on foot. Um, They get to the train tracks, and then they spot a body on the tracks, and it's Marie. She's knocked out. And they wake her up, and she launches into this story about how Etienne betrayed them, and he called out to a German patrol, and that Wickham shot him, and then Etienne shot Wickham, and now they're both dead. Rainy, who has picked up Marie's gun, notices half a dozen rounds missing. There is a traitor, alright, but it's not Etienne. First chapter, that is what it is. Holy shit. It, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, like... The the guys that got covered in gasoline that were just running around screaming, she was like, oh, that's unfortunate. What an unfortunate side effect. Who knew? Like, Rainy is clearly going off the deep end. Oh, yeah. Like, so fast. Like, not, not like, oh, too fast. This is unbelievable. But, like, this is a well-written somebody losing their shit. Yeah, like the 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 level of like things that are acceptable is like it's just dropping yeah one by one <laughs> like pretty soon it's like oh we've just everything everything's fine now god and it's only gonna get worse it's only gonna get worse this is very tame the whole i still love though that like just because she's talking about like just because she's kind of getting more I don't know, like, cruel is not the right I get, like, callous, cold-blooded, whatever, just because she's doing that. Doesn't mean she's getting dumber at all. Mm -hmm. And, like, the whole way that she figured out that, like, Marie was the fucking traitor, Mm -hmm. I was like, yes. Yes, 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 yes. Like, this is great. Oh, God. Her laying on the train tracks with a bump on the side of her head, like, oh, no, I've been, I was passed out. I'm just a woman object. So dainty Ugh. and frail. Yeah. 
they shot each other at the same time and they both died. <laughs> what fucking kind of cover story is that? They both reach for the gun. <laughs> yeah. Um. And it's like you're fighting fucking Nazis. Say like what? Say they were shot by the fucking enemy. Why are why are you making up this story about how they shot each other at the same time? Like Yeah, well, yeah. And then like yeah. And then later it, it when it transpires, it just it just kind of I don't know. Like, Marie's not quite as clever as she thought she was, I guess. She's not. She's a bumbling idiot. Yeah. She's a fucking airhead. I'll say it. I'll say it. I'll say it. Fuck it. it. No one else is going to say it. I'll say it. Fuck it. (laughs) Yeah, (sighs) she she just seems dumb. Yeah. Well. 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 (laughs) And even she's smart. She's not as smart as Rainy, so... No one's as smart as Rainy. Rainy's no one is smart. as smart as She's the smartest, but she's also a cold-blooded killer. Fucking smart and ruthless. She's going to be a force to be reckoned with. She is. And, like, I love it. I love it so much. Like, that's... I know this is going to shock you after doing this podcast with me for five years. That's one of my favorite type of characters. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Who knew? Who knew I would go for that? (laughs) Are we ready to check in on Miss Rio? Yeah. Yeah. I love Rio. I'd love to. Okay. Okay. All right. We are with Rio. She has just ordered her squad to dig some holes. Night is falling on the longest day of their lives, and they have gained some few hundred yards inland from the beach situation, but they are expecting a German counterattack at any moment. Um, They're basically hanging out on the edge of a field that is bordered by these big hedges. Rio can hear cows in the distance, and she knows that this is the moan of a cow who has not been milked in a while, because she's from a farm. Um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yep. lest we forget um, private sweetheart starts crying about how tired he is and Rio is like okay fine don't dig your hole get killed by the Germans then I don't give a fuck and he groans and cries and starts digging his stupid hole um, and Rio tells Gear to babysit while she goes and does some reconnaissance and she thinks about taking Jack with her but she knows he is a veteran and he can kill Germans so she decides to take Melina instead so the two of them start sneaking around the hedge, and Rio tells Melina she should keep her safety on, because if, you sh- if she shoots Rio in the back, she will resent it. And then she kind of chuckles to herself and notices she sounds just like Cole, and she thinks about how most of her decisions have been made by mimicking either Cole or Mackie. And she kind of looks down at Melina, who started copying her moves, and just thinks about this whole thing is, is cyclical. Circle, a beautiful circle. Um, it's the circle of life. <laughs> the circle Sorry. of war. Oh no! Yeah, it's true. Um, so they creep along, and she can hear a plane in the distance, and wonders if it is Strand. And once again, we go down the familiar path of her imagination of her being Strand's wife, and explaining to their children that she killed a bunch of Germans in the war. Um, and it's just a very weird experience, and she cannot reconcile the two lives, the one that she lives now and the one she's expected to live in the future. Um, so she's like, okay, whatever. 
Um, and she moves on and determines that the hedgerow is clear for now. And she and Melina just start kind of talking. And it turns out Melina is from Petaluma, which is very near Gadwell Falls. And her dad is a farmhand. And Rio's kind of like, interesting. So how about these cows? And they decide to milk the cows that are in the field. And they fill up their helmets with milk and bring it back to the camp. And it's passed around amongst the recruits. And Melina gets the nickname Milkmaid. After this brief respite, they are back in the holes that they dug. And artillery is raining down on them. And that's that chapter. <laughs> I Okay, I'm going to fuck up this movie. Hang on, let me look. Oh, let, no. me, let me Google it. Warhorse. No, it's... Uh, I wish it were Warhorse. Let me Google it before I fuck it up. Uh, oh, good. I'm not the first person who Googled it this way. Uh, 1917. That was the title I was actually going to say. I'm amazed I said it. I've heard of that. That came out within the last 10 years, I want to say. It, yeah, within the last 10 years. And it was... it made a thing because they had like the longest continuous shot of actors ever. And that's how like they filmed the whole movie was just like 10 minute choreographed shots as they would go through like the, the fucking, uh, well, all these different parts, like wars, like, yeah, it's crazy. I love continuous shots. There's, you would so, love this. They're so hard to pull off, but they're so cool. Like the one in serenity, Oh, yes. Like, the opening, it's, like, seven yes, minutes. It's the, fucking beautiful. Yeah. There's one in Stranger Things in the, the most recent season that's fucking balls off the walls. Fucking all the OK Goes music videos. Love that shit. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love continuous shots. That sounds oh, so cool. You would love this thing because it's just continuous shots stitched together. And there's, like, it was, it was like, famous for, like, it might have, like, some sort of record for, like, wow. The most amount or whatever. But it. other than that, the the reason I bring it up is because there is a scene in it. Do you care about spoilers? It's one spoiler. Okay, for 1917. Spoilers, people. There is a scene where they uh, get out of this, like, huge... So these guys are supposed to be on this mission to go meet up with another troop that is in the middle of somewhere they shouldn't be to try and stop something from happening, blah, blah, blah. So it's following these two guys traveling. They come across a, a farm with a cow that uh, they has just been milked. And there's this scene where they are like filling up their canteens with milk and like drinking milk. And like, I just kept thinking of this weird visceral scene in that movie as they were like milking the cows and drinking out of their helmets. Cause like every time I watch that movie, that scene takes me, first of all, immediately after it is one of the most intense fucking scenes I've ever seen in a movie ever like sticks with me. Ooh. I can picture it so clearly in my brain, but the milk thing gets me because I'm always like, they filled up their canteen with warm milk. Like that seems like a bad decision. And it, it comes in later. It's very important later in the film. I don't even, I won't even tell you why. It's just very important later. But like the idea of filling up your canteen with milk, just always like, it immediately takes me out of the film for that one moment. So I'm like, that's gross. Why would you do that? <laughs> so then this book, they're filling up their helmets with cow's milk. Oh. And I'm just like, you wear that. There's sweat. There's sweat in there. There's blood. Yep. There's insects. And now there's milk. Oh. And first of all, People are drinking from that. Yep. Gross. Ew. Then you have to put it back on your head oh. with milk residue in it. <laughs> like, 
So, the, from start to finish. Listen, I, I know I have a lot of vendettas against milk. I was about to say. <laughs> milk, milk by itself in a sanitary plastic container, bad enough. Milk in any other situation. Double bad. Oh, Double dear. bad. Oh, we are never going to get that sponsorship from the milk industry that we've been holding out Damn. for. Fuck, like, it could be anything. Like, okay, listen, if you tell me you're filling up your helmet with Gatorade, I'm going to say the same thing. There's sweat. Yeah. It's gross. Yeah. Like, don't fill up your helmets to drink from it. Please. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm asking for. And I say this as somebody who wears a helmet multiple times a week. I looked at it the other day oh. with my own sweat on it, thought I don't want to put my own grossness back on my head, and then I did because I'm a trash human, but I didn't <laughs> drink from it. Oh, no. And that's what's important. I mean, I guess, I don't know. They've all had dysentery. It's it's all a crap. They don't shoot. want it again, though. I, you know. Once is enough. <laughs> <laughs> you don't get sent home for having dysentery. Jordia. <laughs> I... Like I saw the the whole filling up their helmets and their helmets are all sweaty and gross and I, I but I didn't get that deep into it. I didn't think about the bugs that they all have probably. Yeah, like the fucking And then putting it back on, Ooh. sweating it more, it's going to smell like sour milk on your head. Ew. Yeah, it's I didn't so get that deep gross. into it and now I'm sorry. I I can't <laughs> it's I don't know what it is about it, but it's like the same thing as that as that other movie is uh, 1917 when they fucking fill up the canteen. I'm like, how are you going to wash that out later? You're always going to have sour milk smelling canteen. This is gross. Why won't you think about, like, it's not refrigerated. It's not. <laughs> when will you learn your actions have consequences? <laughs> I know we have to make sacrifices in war, okay? I just don't think this is where we should make them. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. <laughs> it's gross okay um, but like also they poop in holes and then they they that's can't fine. wash their hands and stuff that's what is <laughs> that's fine i don't care about that oh no care it's about the, the sour, sour milk, milk. <laughs> oh no oh my god they haven't brushed their teeth in 300 years i feel like I they mean, have toothbrushes and they're they're carrying a lot of gear. They probably had toothbrushes. Maybe I don't. I don't know. Should right. we Google it? Sure. Googling stuff with Casey and Alex. Did they have toothbrushes in World War Two? Yeah. <laughs> they all have their little their little kits with their tweezers and their razors. <laughs> okay, I don't think it goes that far. Their little, their little shampoo and conditioner oh. packets. <laughs> Through 1945, toothpaste contains soap. Ew. Ugh. Okay. Did people brush? This is the question. Daily toothbrushing became more common thanks to World War II when the American Army required soldiers to brush their teeth as part of their daily hygiene practice. The first nylon toothbrush was made in 1938, followed by the electric toothbrush in 1960. Huh. So there you go. Well, shit. Shit. They had toothbrushing drills in schools. What? Okay. Wild. Alright. That is wild. Ryu has to yell at private sweetheart to brush his teeth in the morning. 
Yeah, that's really interesting that it was it was World War II that made it like part of the daily routine. Huh. Well said. There you Shit, go. Who knew? Everybody brush your teeth. Do it. Sing that. Go through the drills. ABCs as you brush your teeth. No, that's hand washing. Yeah, that's that is hand washing. If you sing while you brush your teeth, you'll probably get toothpaste everywhere. Yes. Anyways, I'm sorry. We can get back to this book instead of the insane (laughs) shit we're talking about. Tangents are part of this podcast. Dude, okay. Dan burned me so badly when I met up with him the other day. Oh, no. I was I was bitching about a panel that I had seen at that anime con thing. And it was one of the ones where the panelists didn't show up. So audience members got up and ran the panel. This happened three fucking times. What the- I saw five panels. Three of them, the panelists did not show up. Um, so they got to the end of it. And I was, I was pretty hammered. And so these guys finished their show. The next panelist fucking interrupted their show to say, I'm up next. Rude as shit. And then they, they, at the end of it, were like, okay, that's it. Goodbye, everybody. And just started walking off stage. And I was like, give your fucking socials. Like, what are you doing? So I was, like, telling Dan, like, I was walking them through this. Like, you have to give an outro. Like, you have to give your socials. Like, blah, blah, blah. And Dan just looks at me and completely deadpan goes, we can't all have a seven-minute outro, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, sick fucking bird like true but jeez Dan losing my mind it was so good it was so good it was so fucking good Dan (laughs) I know you're listening to this too Okay, I'm sorry. I'm glad I derailed for one more moment to tell you that story, but we can get back to it now. So fucking great. (laughs) Oh my god. Like, true, okay? I can't argue it. He's right. (laughs) Never felt the need to shorten it. (laughs) Maybe we should. I don't. Nah, fuck it. It's our podcast. Um... All right, we're we're with our only Frangie chapter in this part. It is a beautiful balm amidst the chaos, but mm-hmm. all right. Frangie's on the beach. She's sitting in the dry sand. There's the tritus of the battlefield around her. She's covered in blood and shit, literal shit, human shit. And who should saunter up to her at that moment but Sergeant Walter Green of Iowa. Ooh. Ooh. Um, and he's like, hey, what's up? And he sits down next to her, and he is now a master sergeant, she notices. Um, and he tells her that she's a sight for sore eyes, and then she kind of looks at herself, and she's like, well, your eyes must not be working really well. <laughs> Which was very wonderful. And then they just kind of talk for a while. Most of this chapter is talking. I didn't write down all of it. A lot of it's just flavor, but but I'll, I'll give you the highlights. Um... She finds out that Green's unit was supposed to land further east, but they were dropped off here instead, and they got pinned down in the battle. He calls the situation a foul up, and Frangie kind of looks around at the madness around them, and she's like, actually, this is super fucked. And then she <laughs> kind of winces because she said the fuck word. <laughs> and um, Green kind of, like, nods in assent, and he says that she's, or he says that he's glad she's okay. 
Um, and then he mentions that he hopes the mail is coming soon because it's his birthday and his mom is sending him homemade fudge and some socks. And Fringy wonders how old he is and if he's too old for her. And then she's like, hang on, what am I thinking? Calm down. Um, and then Green's lieutenant starts beckoning him and Fringy is surprised to see a black officer. And Green is like, yeah, well, unfortunately, an officer's an officer no matter what color. Um, and they have this really awkward moment of like, so, nice war we're having. And then finally he just like leaves. <laughs> It's so fucking awkward and adorable. It's so adorable. Like, he seriously just fucks off. Like, <laughs> uh, and like, uh, uh, sorry, the best detail about it is when he walked off, he gave this like, uh, and then like, <laughs> like <laughs> so cute. It was adorable. So yeah, he's gone. Uh, Frangie's buddies um, from earlier from part one manning and deacon they drive up in the jeep and they all drive together and there's a bunch of white soldiers and frangy waves at Janu. um and frangy and manning start talking and manning is teasing her about walter green i didn't write down a lot of this conversation um the most important thing to know is they've joined this column of vehicles and they're driving inland inside the hedges not inside the hedges but like between them um and they're coming across a tank that has its side all fucked up, and Frangi realizes they are coming into the territory of a minefield. And after ten minutes, there's um, noise and explosion from further up the column, and they're delayed for about an hour and a half. Which, like, I sitting in San Francisco traffic, sitting in any big city <laughs> traffic, fucking feel that. Yeah, yeah, we've all driven through <laughs> Georgia. We yeah. all fucking know. We've driven on the what's the what's the thing called? The, this the, is it the loop i don't i probably not oh i, I almost <laughs> said the Chicago beltway but that's in dc oh uh clover maybe oh. i don't know the road that circles atlanta i've heard it's terrible yes the nightmare town <laughs> the nightmare driving town i say and like chicago is is also oh my god chicago's bad horrific nightmare town Ugh. Traffic. We've driven through all the nightmare. We get it. This we, is yeah. terrible. <laughs> uh, da, 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 delayed for an hour and a half. And they start moving again. And they drive past another tank that's completely destroyed. A while later, they get out of the hedges. And a runner drives his jeep up to Frangie's. And he starts to tell her that Sergeant Washington needs a medic assigned to his detail. And they hear the familiar sound of falling artillery. And they all jump off the jeep and into the ditches to wait it out. Five minutes later, it stops. And cries of medic start to go up, and Frangie grabs her bag and runs. That's that's it. That's the chapter. Do you think that if anyone that you had to listen to in the army was called whoever Washington, you'd be like, "Here comes a general." Yeah, like, well, yeah. Now, now we right. would all do that. But like, do you ever think like he must be related to Washington? This is good luck, right? Like, I feel like there'd be some superstition. Yeah! Oh! Maybe his nickname is, like, I don't know. Georgie. And he's like, my first name is Brad! <laughs> Do you have a fig tree? <laughs> I don't know. Do you have wooden teeth? Is that him? I don't know. Do you have 30 goddamn dicks? <laughs> Ha ha ha!
breaking the audio so bad. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, you guys remember when the internet had gems? Like <laughs> Beautiful gems. Beautiful gems. <laughs> there were only like a thousand videos on the internet. So we just watched yeah. the good ones over and over again. <laughs> It's like before the time of like, oh, I have to send these TikToks because they're going to be different. No, it was like when all your friends were just like, here's the badger mushroom one again. Oh my god. A simpler time. It's where you could look at a room of people and say, this one's flavored like gun and everybody knew what you meant. (laughs) (laughs) Banana, fizz bitch, and gun. (laughs) Oh, shit. Fucking sponge monkeys. It's Christmas songs. Um. Anyway. Yep. So. <laughs> Frangie. She's beautiful and I love her. And I just. I don't even know what to say because she seems so wonderfully normal. Compared to everyone Compared else. to these other damaged children. Yeah, like Frangie's like. I said fuck, and he doesn't seem like the guy who would like the fuck word. And Rainy is like, I gutted a man! And Rio's like, fucking, Rio's like, I'm stealing milk from the enemy cows and coming up with goddamn machines to kill the enemy. And Frangie's like, Jesus, oh, I said, said fuck. She didn't even say fuck, she said she foobar. She said foobar. But she knows there's a fuck in it, and there's she felt bad about acronym. it. And I feel terrible. I've had one beer in my entire life, but I feel terrible. And he's like, I took a man's shoelaces out of his own shoes and garroted him. <laughs> my bare hands. There's just such different levels. It's just delightful. Beautiful Frangie. Yeah, the two of them having this, like, wartime meet cute. Wartime meet cute. <laughs> New band name, I call it. I, I'm coming to see the show. Fuck yeah. I want the merch. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Okay. Okay. Shit's gonna pop off now. Back with Miss Rainey. She and Philippe and Marie are running down the train tracks. And Rainey's going through everything that just happened in her head. She heard two bursts of stun gunfire and only Marie and Wickham had stun guns. She heard a pause between the bursts and she figures that Marie had hesitated before killing her brother. And she knows she should kill Marie right now, but she can't bring herself to do it. She's not an assassin. Um, and as she's trying to talk herself into it, Philippe calls a halt and suggests that they take a rest in a nearby shed. And Rainy is immediately thinking, no, that's a stupid idea. We're on the railroad tracks. The Germans will be on us in 20 minutes. But Marie readily agrees that, yes, they should rest. Um, so she sits down and she starts crying. And Philippe makes like he's going to comfort her, but then he's like, it must have been very hard to kill your brother. And Marie and Rainey kind of stop and they're like, what? And he asks Marie how they turned her. She's like, I don't know what you're talking about. And he points out that if she were innocent, she would not have agreed to rest because the tracks would lead the Germans right to them. He slaps her across the face and calls her a traitor and accuses her of killing Etienne and Wickham. And she cries that her brother was a bastard who was always looking at her in the bathtub. And Rainey's like, alright, that's basically a confession. And then she she fucking goes on this fucking, like, 
like monologue about how she's getting married to a rich Nazi major and 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 Rainey's Jewish and says all this horrible shit about how her last name is probably Cohen or Silverstein, blah blah blah. And while she's going on this mad rant, Philippe's just like looking helplessly at Rainey with tears in his eyes and he's like, I cannot. I cannot either, Philippe. <laughs> um and Marie is like are you planning on murdering me? And she starts trying to convince him that the invasion will fail. And if that happens, the Germans will come after him and his family. And he starts crying. And he once again says to Rainey, I cannot. And Rainey knows what this means. She feels sick and she can't believe this is happening. And she wants to just like run away and go back to her home. But she grits her teeth and tells him to go outside and have himself a smoke. Um, Marie turns to Rainey and tries to convince her that she can save her and she can put in a good word with her major. And Rainey's like, okay, relax. I'm not going to kill you. And Marie does relax. She sits back in her chair and sighs with relief. And then Rainey says, oh, by the way, it's Shulterman and shoots Marie right in the fucking forehead. And the body slumps to the floor and Rainey whispers to herself that there was no other way. She goes outside to Philippe, who is smoking and weeping quietly, and she tells him that they need to go. They take the train tracks and they head towards his hometown. Um, and the patrol that comes after them does not bother to search the trees where they are hiding, thank goodness. Um, and in the morning, Philippe starts talking again, and he asks her if she's actually Jewish. And Rainey starts thinking about how, technically yes, but kind of not, because she's not really religious. And some Jews are very orthodox, and some are more secular, and the Nazis just see them as one big group rather than the nuances between them. It's all just black and white to them, Jew or not Jew. And she tries not to cry as she's thinking about how she killed Marie, the cafe killings, and being held captive, and she now knows that none of this will ever leave her, and it will be a part of her as long as she lives. The rainy Shulterman that she knew before now is dead. Um, they spend a rough, miserable night in the woods, and the next morning they head to the river to get a drink, and someone is fishing at the river, and Philippe recognizes it as a young boy from the village named Bernard, who is clearly playing hooky from school. Bernard! Our boy! Our boy! Um, and they're immediately like, hey, what's up, Bernard? Give us your food! And Bernard is very sad to give his food away, but he does. Um, and they start asking him about how far they are from the village and how Philippe's parents are. And Bernard informs them that everyone in the village is scared because the SS went to Tool and hanged 100 people because they were angry about the invasion and the Maquis. And Philippe's like, well, I guess that means we can't go to the village because that would give them an excuse to come and, you know, fuck things up. Um, so Bernard tells them about a cabin that was previously belonged to a dude who was taken away into forced labor so they head there to spend the night um it's not fancy but it works and it has furniture and a day's worth of food and rainy is overall pretty impressed with this kid and he seems to be very trustworthy um she tells him that she's looking for tanks and he says that he has seen tank tracks nearby he will show her tomorrow before school um she and philippe camp out for the night and she goes over in her head everything she did wrong with marie the signs that she should have spotted Philippe tells her to go to sleep, that killing Marie was necessary, and that they are both soldiers, and someday they will both have children and never speak of this day again. 
The next day, Bernard shows up in the middle of the school day with some food for them and then leads them into the forest to find the tank tracks. Rainy has some time to think about imagining herself married with children, how it could be a kid just like Bernard, and she would never ever explain to them how she killed a woman in cold blood, how her life will be a lie or a series of lies. Um, they find the tank tracks and follow the trail for a while. Then there's the sound of a column going by a ton of Waffen? Waffen? Waffen. Uh, Waffen. Yeah. Okay. A ton of Waffen SS vehicles. It is trailed by a staff car containing a German major, and Rainy wonders if that is Marie's lover. Philippe says that his name is Adolf Diekmann, and he is ambitious and vicious. Vicious and ambitious. Um, <laughs> he already read the musical. I know. <laughs> this fucking dick. Um... And the three of them follow the column, and after a while, Philippe realizes that they are taking the road to Oradur, his hometown. Dun dun dun. Bernard's the best. Wait, hang on, one detail before we yeah. keep going, just so we can really appreciate Bernard. He said he would come tell, show them where the tanks were before school, and Rainy's like, before school? And he's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, before school, for sure, for sure, for sure. He shows up, and Rainy's like, most French kids go to school mid-afternoon. I don't think this is before school. Bernard straight up fucking just yep. doing his thing. Yep. I love him. Okay, anyways, sorry. He's fucking great. He's fucking great. Ugh. Alright, heavy trigger warnings. This is where it gets real bad. Real fucking bad, everyone. Oof. God. Okay, they run after the column, and when they get to the edge of the village, Bernard takes off into the town to go watch the excitement. Philippe says they are most likely conducting a search for Maquis, but they'll find nothing. There's no Maquis in Oradour. There never have been. Um, and he and Rainy climb up a tree so they can watch from above. Philippe says that after the Germans do their search and go away, they will go into town to buy food and he can visit his parents. They watch as the SS enter and encircle the village. And the residents are kind of watching them, but they're not seemingly super afraid of them. Um, somebody shouts orders for everyone to gather at the fairground so they can conduct a search of the village. And Philippe assures both himself and Rainy that this is normal. And the Germans are, like, looting stores and, like, dicking around being assholes. Um, and after a while, they spot a guy on a bicycle and Philippe is like, hey, that's my father. The Germans grab this guy and haul him off the bike and shove him into the crowd. And Rainy's warning bells are going off because they just left the bike in the road, which is not like the very orderly Germans to do. Um, so they're continuing to loot the town and some of the soldiers start herding the crowds away from the fairground and they separate the crowd into men who are heading towards a barn and women and children who are being shepherded into a church. And Bernard is amongst the uh, women and children. Um, and Rainy's like, this is not good. She's watching some of the dudes like make crosses over their chest. And they, they put the men in the barn and they watch in horror as the Germans approach the barn with a machine gun. They set it up and they just start firing. Um, the men of Oradour are being murdered, including Philippe's father, and he's just standing there and he can't do anything about it. And Rainey's thinking, like, at least the women and children are safe. The SS would not stoop so low as to murder them. She can hear crying and wailing from the church as their husbands and uncles and brothers are being killed. But then the Germans are setting up another machine gun outside the church, and they're carrying this box with cords dangling from it inside. 
and Philippe cries that they're going to burn them. Black smoke appears from the church doors, and the women and children are trying to run out the front doors to escape the fire, and the Germans are just mowing them down with gunfire. This goes on far too long until finally there is nothing but silence. Um, and the Germans are carrying on like this is no big deal. They steal some more shit, and they start setting fires and smashing windows and destroying the village itself. And then they pile into their trucks and they take off. And Philippe and Rainy are just watching from this tree, completely dumbstruck and hoping someone alive will emerge from the building. And then finally Philippe says, I must go see. And Rainy knows this is a really bad idea, but also she can't do jack shit to stop him. So they head into the village and it's like walking into hell itself. They head to the barn, the roof has collapsed and all of the bodies are burning. Rainy tries to put a hand on Philippe's shoulder, but he shakes it off because no comfort is wanted and no comfort is possible. Then they go to the church and they can't even get in the doors because of the huge pile of dead bodies outside. Inside is even worse. Michael Grant goes into some detail. I will not. It's bad. Um, and Rainy finds herself looking for Bernard and quickly gives up because she's not even really sure what she's looking for at this point. Everyone in the village is dead. Um, they retreat back to the river and Philippe fully breaks down. And Rainy just very dully says that she has to leave. She has to track down the division. And Philippe says that he can't leave his village. And Rainy understands. She goes over her plans in her head. Track the Dustreich. Report back. And also, find Adolf uh, Diekman. I don't know how to pronounce his name. Uh, also find Adolf Diekman and kill that fucking monster. If she's an assassin, she will wear the word easily if she finds him. I don't think you have to be too worried about pronouncing this motherfucker's name. He doesn't deserve a good pronunciation. <laughs> he doesn't deserve the correct pronunciation. I think we should call him Dickman. Yeah, let's call him Dickman. He's a fucking awful fucker. This chapter was so fucking rough. Yeah, the details that you wouldn't go into... Like that shit like it's not like all oh, that gets me every time. Like I know some people are like that shit gets me. I can't read that shit. I'm yeah. normally like, well, you know, I'll read I I can picture it. I can read it. But like when I read through it, I was like, holy fucking shit, dude. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and then Bernard, oh my god, the whole thing about Bernard that got me was when Rainy had this thought of like, I'm searching through the bodies. I don't know what I'm looking to find here. And then she has like a moment where it's like her thought is something like, do I want my last memory of Bernard to be as like cold, dead eyes staring hollowly mm -hmm. or do I want it to be like Bernard? Yeah. And uh, that's when she gave up. And I was like, yeah, that's. That's a lot. That's a lot. It's rough. It's rough. It's fucking rough. It's very rough. <sighs> yep. Yep, like, yeah, Michael Grant really gets into the whole, like, this is how the war is affecting, like, the general populace of, of Europe. Like, he got into it a little bit with Italy, um, where, like, you know, there were, like, dirty children in shitty clothes, according <laughs> yeah. to Chanel, who were, like, wandering yeah. around, and, like, everyone was really, like, disenfranchised, and, like, they're watching these soldiers, like, steal all their watermelons and shit. Um... But, like, that that all felt like, 
kind of par for the course. Like, it wasn't, like, the horror that this fucking scene was. Yeah. This is, like, Rainy keeps getting the scenes where it's, like, here is the true, like, horror side of what was going on Mm -hmm. and what they were doing to people and, like... Yeah. We... I was actually curious about what you thought about Philippe and Rainy vis-a-vis he can't kill Marie and Rainy has to do it. Oh, man. Yeah. That, <laughs> I I loved reading that scene because, like, Philippe was just legit, like, I love her. I can't kill her. I can't do it. And, like... I don't, I I loved how emotional it got and that Rainy didn't think she could do it and then overcame to be able to accomplish it. Mm-hmm. I didn't think any less of Philippe for not being able to do it. Mm-hmm. I certainly didn't think any less of Rainy for being able to do it. Yeah. But what what I loved most about it was that it felt like another part of Rainy just snapped where she was like I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to do it. And then like, (laughs) right. And then just like, by the way, by the way, you fucking Nazi sympathizer. I know what the fuck you're going to do. And like, it it felt like Rainy has this moment of like, I can't do it. I'm still Rainy. I'm still this person. And then she's like, I've been tortured and I've witnessed the atrocities of war. And then afterwards, she's like, I have to tell myself that that was okay, that that was necessary, blah, blah, blah. Like, she's at war with herself, clearly. But there's those moments where, like, what happened to her in that jail or whatever. I'm going to say jail. I feel like it was a jail. Prison camp? Is that what it was? There we go. I don't know. I'm getting there. I've lost the words of what it was supposed to be properly (laughs) called. But there's moments where, like, the torture clearly affected her very deeply and Mm -hmm. like just seeing her like switch it off to be able to handle shit yeah is very interesting to me yeah um and then like philippe i don't i don't blame him like he was he did love marie and he couldn't do it but like it just that desperate begging of like a man like please like i know this is the right call but like don't make me do it i can't do it i know i can't do it i I don't know. I I don't know why I don't think less of him. I feel like most of the time I would be like, you gotta handle shit, you gotta do it. But there was something about him where it was just like, I was like, man, I get it. You can't. This fucking sucks. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. I just didn't know if it was gonna be like another like Eric situation. No, it's like the onus have to, has to fall so. on someone else because you can't handle it. I don't... I didn't think so because it's not like he wouldn't handle it in other scenarios, right? Like, it's not like... Like, he... When he had to sit by and, like, watch his whole family get decimated, like, just get destroyed, he did kind of what he had to. It was just this one moment where he's like, this is too much for me. And, like, I can, I guess I respect it because it's not like this happened repeatedly. It's not like Rainy has to take care of his dirty laundry Uh for him. And it's not like, (laughs) yeah, and it's not like Rainy is, 
like they're also on equal footing, right? So it's yeah. different. Like Eric was a bajillion year old robot that could end the entire war with the snap of his fingers, and he didn't. Yeah. And Philippe is just another fucking teenager caught up in this insane yeah. bullshit with no like so I it didn't it didn't equate to me in that same way. That's fair. Yeah. God, I'm so pissed at Eric again. I know, fuck Eric. Eric <gasps> is a Eric. fucking piece of shit. Oh. Eric fucked up so bad. Fucked up so fucking bad. I wanted him to be better. I wanted him to, I super wanted him to be better. He was a puppy prince. I was like, what could be wrong about a puppy prince? Everything. Everything! God damn it! <sighs> she are just a fuck. Like, it's it's weird that the chi I hate them so much. Be, and like I feel like it's valid. Like I just I fucking I feel like hating the chi is valid because they're hyper intelligent. They have all this power. They should be able to handle it. And the howlers who are supposed to be the bad guys, we find out are just children that think they're playing a game. And so like I feel so much more sympathy for the howlers, the bloody murder machines than I do the chi, the pacifist hyper intelligent robots. And like <laughs> oh no I, mean, I don't know man but again it's like it's like you're taking a thing and then just like turning it out of 10 which is yeah peak michael grant apple grant yeah fucking madness it. oh my god so good i love it and, and like and i don't i think the other thing that um changed it for me was that this entire scene struck me as like somebody who knew themselves like he knows yeah. How, he knows that he can push himself. He knows he can go far. He knows he can do this shit. And yeah. he's like, that will break me, though. That I cannot do. And, like, I kind of, I can respect that in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, not that I would ever want Rainy to, like, take the hit for him. I also don't feel like this broke Rainy in the same way. Like, I think yeah. she had to break to get there. But I don't think that specifically destroyed her in any way. Yeah. Yeah, no, 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 it does. Yeah. Like, it. it's like he would have been useless if he had had to kill Marie. And he knew that. Whereas Rainy doesn't have that connection with her. They're both yeah. soldiers. Yeah. And yeah. I, yeah. Okay. I, I think I'm, I'm, I'm getting there, too. <sighs> oh, my God. That church scene. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It was pretty bad. It was extremely bad. I am really interested now to read Berserk because I know that there's some horrific shit that happens in there because, like, Jeff has read it and he tweeted at Michael Grant was like, hey, man, that was really fucked up. And Michael Grant was like, I know, right? (laughs) And, like, I'm really interested to see how that compares with this and like i don't i don't know because i don't know what they're talking about with berserk i also don't know if this was like a real thing because like what we read was like yeah i'm sure based on a real atrocity that actually fucking happened right so like i'm really interested to see like if yeah his other books that we're going to read are going to be worse or if this will always be like one of the peaks of horrific shit that was written because 
is yeah. real. Like, it, yeah. this shit happened. Yeah, like, is this sci-fi horror or is this, like, real-life yeah. human beings are capable of doing this shit kind of horror? Exactly. Yeah, it's like, I don't want to watch Black Mirror because I feel like all of that stuff is entirely feasible for our society, and that makes me deeply uncomfortable in a way that some, like, dumb, like, Hollywood horror monster movie doesn't make right. me feel, you know like, what I mean? Attack from Mars, right? <laughs> right. Like, oh, it's violent, the Martians are shooting everybody. Yeah, but yeah. Elvis blows up their heads, so, like, yeah. who gives a shit? Yeah. Like, yeah. Whereas, like, if there's a, oh, there's a new social media app where people can rate your personality, and if you get a low rating, you can't get a job or succeed or blah, all that shit, it's like... Yeah, okay, that's horrifying. (sighs) Anyway. (laughs) Anyways. Anyways, moving on. Just a light, casual conversation we're having. (laughs) Moving on from the massacre. Yeah. Yikes. Okay, we're going back with Rio, which, like, after that chapter, I was like, oh, thank God. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which, yep. like, it's not Now great. we're back to the shitty milk helmets. It's fine. <laughs> They're gonna go milk some more cows, probably. Oh, God. Um. So, Rio is hanging out, and Stick is discussing tactics with Captain Passy, and he's kind of comparing them to what they went through in Italy, which is every time they break through a German defensive line, there's another right behind it, and they constantly have to start over from scratch. This is it's been days of this like pointless like barely gaining any ground um rio hasn't lost any more people but cat lost two and she's like really in a funk about it and captain pasty's like yeah progress is too slow and we're never going to take berlin at the rate we're going um and rio starts coming up with an idea but kind of stops herself and pasty kind of is like all right yeah go ahead what were you gonna say um and rio figures this is because of her performance at the beach Rio says she spotted a uh, Sherman tank with a bulldozer blade at the front of it and that those things could plow right through a hedgerow and that way they wouldn't have to face heavy German fire at the existing hedge holes and that the German 88s that are further up on the hill are not focused on the hedges but on the fields. Passy is kind of like picking up what she's putting down and he promises to talk to the colonel of the of the nearby tank battalion and Rio, Cat, and Stick head off to get food, and they start talking amongst themselves about how it's going to take forever for the officers to talk to each other and decide what to do. And Stick is like, maybe we should take matters into our own hands so we can actually fucking get something done around here. (laughs) So after their food, they take a detour, and they find the master sergeant of the tank battalion, who is smoking from a pipe, and tells them to immediately fuck off. I don't take orders from you guys just because you're white. Um, Stick tries to explain what's going on, but Rio draws up a schematic for the Master Sergeant, which is much more effective at getting through to him. Um, and he's basically looking at it and being like, well, I guess if we got some shrapnel from the beach, we could make this happen. But I would need to do a lot of smoking to have the energy to work on this, if you know what I mean. And Stick, Cat, and Rio are like, yeah, we know what you mean. (laughs) So they agree to get two um, pouches of pipe tobacco and some liquor for the guy. And they recruit BB, sweet BB, 
um, who is like, yeah, just give me a Jeep and I'll have it done in two hours. Um, he gets it done in three hours, but he got all the shit and he got a full ham. To, to sure he did. <laughs> He's a beautiful, sweet scrounger boy. He is a beautiful, sweet scrounger boy, <laughs> and I love him. He's apparently a terrible soldier, but really great at finding shit. He's a Hufflepuff. Yeah. Did we already talk about <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> oh my god. He's a particularly good finder. God. Little Hufflepuff baby. Where the fuck did he get a full ham? But meat is scarce in the war. There's a war on. There's a war on, you ham boy. We can't even get hamburgers because of the war that's on. I don't know. He's amazing. Um, And after all of this bribery, the next day, two tanks with these cool metal bitey teeth show up. Um, It reminds me of that, like, did you ever watch that robot fighting show? Yeah, like, with Grant Imahara was one of the best builders on that show. Fuck yeah, that's what yeah, I'm picturing. Yeah. Like a big size, bitey yeah, robot. battle battle bot. Yeah, sort of yeah, yeah, thing. yeah. Fuck yeah. I was like the ones with like. Do you ever see like the Roombas with the knives that would spin really fast? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> Those are good. Those are the flamethrower ones. I was like, yeah, and like I feel like the flamethrower ones were like always the shittiest. The yeah. best ones were always the ones that were exactly what you're talking about. They had like the shovel on the front and they would just flip the other robots. Mm-hmm. Like that, those would win every fucking time. Yeah. Okay, anyway, sorry. Battlebots aside. I love Battlebots. It's a great show. Matt got to go and, and see and see a live taping once. I'm I'm surprised Matt didn't build a Battlebot, quite honestly. <laughs> I know, he should. Like, honestly, I was more taken aback that he just went to the taping than anything just, else. Exactly, the audience instead of fought. And, yeah, instead of bot. fighting with his robot. Oh my god. <laughs> He's, he, is, he is the type of person to build a battle lot, for sure. I bet he would. That'd be so fun. I bet he had. I bet if you said it to him, you'd be like, oh, well, I have half a battle bot in the garage. You want to see it? Like, <laughs> I've been building it in secret. I, yeah, just whenever I have time, I, you know, put a few parts on it. Oh, it's one of the flippy ones with a wedge. Of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. <laughs> oh, shit. Anyway. Anyway, the Sherman modified tanks plus three to piercing damage have appeared. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you got me with that D&D joke. Sorry. <laughs> I didn't see it coming. You I blindsided just, me with it. I made, I made it up off the dome. It's not even in my notes. okay uh so the plan is to the tanks are gonna break through the hedges and the foot soldiers are gonna follow and do marching fire when they get to the fields they're gonna like go in right behind the tank the tank's gonna set off any landmines that might be there uh the tanks break through another hedge and then they split the parties off to the left and right, and they all dig in um, while they have a chance. And the tank will get away before it gets shot at by the 88s. Rio knows that if this plan doesn't work, she's going to be seriously fucked. Um, so they start. She signals to the tank commander. Um, he hits the bottom of the hedgerow, and the bushes are just, like, waving wildly. And this is, like, a clear signal to the Germans. Um, it takes the guy four attempts before the tank finally climbs up over the bushes. 
Everybody marches behind it, and only the veteran soldiers are bothering to actually fire. The green recruits are hitting the deck, and Rio has to yell at them to get moving. Um, the tank reaches the second hedgerow, and this time it only takes three times to knock a hole in it. Um, Rio's squad ducks to the left as the Sherman starts shooting through the hedgerow at the Germans. Rio sees Jack trip and fall on his face, and she thinks he's been shot, but then he gets up again. The Germans are retreating, and Rio screams at them to dig in before the Germans come back with reinforcements. The tank continues to fire, everybody digs their holes, and then the tank pieces out back through the hole it made. The whole ordeal has taken 11 minutes, and Berlin is one square closer. Jesus fucking Christ, Rio's so good at plans! She is amazing at plans. <sighs> She's just, she sees the bigger picture. Oh, my favorite my favorite part about this whole thing, though, was yeah. that literally, like, right before they go, Rio's like, don't hit the deck if you hear fire, because it's not trained on us, so the safest thing you can do is just keep yeah. firing and don't hit the deck. And she looks at all the newbies, and she's like, don't distract me from firing. Yeah. Two seconds later, she's like, you motherfuckers! Get up! <laughs> Start firing! What are you doing? I literally just said, don't do everything you're doing. You fucking tedious children. You fucking idiot children. Ugh. Yep. I don't blame her. No, she's not wrong. She's absolutely correct. It's just... Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> idiot children. Fucking fools. Fucking fools. Is this the last chapter? Yes, it is. Oh my god. It's rainy. Because we haven't had enough rain. Fuck. God, give her a break, somebody. Okay. All right. Do you have any more thoughts about Rio? No, God, no. Okay. I'm all 100% focused on rainy right now. This is a rainy part. This This is a heavy rain. And, like, the other thing about it is, like, having read it and going through it now, like, when you're reading it, you're of course, you don't know what's coming in, like, the next chapter. You can guess. But, like, knowing now, it's like, yeah, that should happen with Rio. That's great. Let's get back to Rainy. Yeah, yeah. Like, shit's so fucking bad for Rainy. Yeah. The other two are just like, like, oh, you need a break from this horror. Like, have, yeah. have something, a little snippet of somebody else, and then we're going to get back to the shit. Right. And even, like, Rio, it's like, yeah, you're experiencing the horrors of war, but, like, you're doing great. Yeah, you're fine now. Yeah. And then with Rainy, it's like, Let's see what a person who is completely broken does when pushed to their limits. Let's once again revisit this and see how bad it goes. Uh, Yep. I love it. Yep. To no one's surprise. (laughs) (laughs) It's not like we read another book series about children breaking under the pressures of war. Right. It's not like this is something I talk about, like, fucking all the time. (laughs) All right. Rainy is amidst an abundance of refugees that are trying to escape the war. They are mostly women, children, and old men, because all the young men are are gonzo. Um, Rainy has disguised herself, and she gave herself a fake eye injury. Like, basically, she, like, cut herself on a different part of her body and then, like, bloodied up a bandage and, like, tied it over her eye. Um, and she knows that generally people don't want to acknowledge wounded folks. So she kind of did that to like become invisible. Um, She stole a pair of boots from a store that had been looted by Germans. She wanted to leave some money, but that would have attracted too much attention. She vows to come back and pay later. She's an assassin, but not a thief. 
fucking Animorphs. Animorphs shit, yeah. (laughs) 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 Tobias steals a shirt and leaves some money. (laughs) Oh my god. (sighs) Fucking great. Um, She's walking in the opposite direction of the flow of refugees, and she hears some planes overhead, but she looks at the wings and they are allied planes, and she's kind of like, okay, this is fine. Um, The two planes each drop a bomb. One lands in the woods, and the other lands in a field and kills a horse, which is sad. It is. Then everybody starts eating the horse. Oh, yeah. People are just, like, running to the horse, like, like yeah, dinner. Hooray! <laughs> Hooray, they've bombed the horse. <laughs> yeah. And, like, food is very scarce, so that that's why that's happening. I get it. I get it. I'm yeah. not begrudging them their, yeah. their food. Yeah. It's still sad, though. Yeah. Um... And then Rainy kind of sees the planes coming around again, and then she realizes she has seen enough aerial reconnaissance maps to know that the pilots will not be able to tell these people apart from German soldiers. And sure enough, the pilots start shooting into the crowds. And Rainy is, like, wanting to run forward and help the people that have been shot, but she can't do anything. She's not a nurse, she's not a medic, and she just can't fucking do anything. Um... And, like, there's this guy that, like, shoves forward and starts butchering the meat off this horse while standing in the blood of a dying woman. Like, people are just, like, injured all around them and everybody else is just, like, too busy trying to survive and feed their own kids. Like, it's fucked up. Um, And even Rainy walks away from this with a piece of bloody horse meat in her pocket. Um, it's like, you She's just gotta, gotta be- eat, too. Yep, exactly. And she's, like, walking, you know, against the flow, and she's trying not to look at the horror and the misery on the faces of these refugees. Um, After a while, she gets closer to the battleground, and she starts to see more injured Germans um, that are trying to get through crowds of people. She reaches a crossroads, and then all of the traffic is yielding to this SS tank unit, and she realizes she has found the Das Reich, but it's too late. She was not able to warn the Allied planners before they headed into the battle. But then she spots a sergeant that she had seen at Orador. And by sheer luck, she sees Adolf Dykeman, Diekman, Dickman, Dickman, Dickhead. Dickhead. I'm going to call him Dickhead. 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 She sees Adolf Dickhead riding by in a tank. She knows she will never get this chance again. And she follows them as they pass. And she just like walks for like a day and a half after these guys. She can't, when she can't walk anymore, she sleeps in the woods with the other refugees. And then she just gets up and keeps walking. Um, she's walking through roads with tall hedges on either side. I wonder where she could be. <laughs> and she is eventually seeing German artillery in the field. She's seeing a German field hospital. And she rounds a corner and finds a column of German tanks and trucks that have just been fucking decimated. And um, there are Eastern European troops that are pulling bodies out of the wreckage. And many of them are stealing, like, food and souvenirs off of the corpses. And she's like, hey, food. So she pulls money out of her pocket and approaches one of them. He tells her to go away. And she's like, no, 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 no. I have money. I want that sausage. And he hesitates, but she pulls out her pistol and she's like, I can pay you for that sausage or I can shoot you and take it. And he kind of snorts and says that he is from Ukraine and he will not die for German honor. So hand over the money. So they do the trade, and then I picture them just, like, leaning up against a wall, just, like, chilling, and then he's like, hey, so, uh, I haven't had a woman in a long time, and you're hungry, and she's like, 
yeah, no, I'm looking for my lover. He's an SS major, which, like, immediately shuts this guy down. Mm-hmm. Um, and he says, oh, yeah, he might be over there, but be careful. The Maquis are killing women that sleep with Germans. Um, she pieces out and walks for another hour. And she finds the spot where the tanks have turned off the road and have attempted to hide in the trees from the Air Force. Um, this deception did not work, however. And there's this, like, scene where she watches planes with missiles and machine guns just, like, lay waste to these tanks. Um, and after they're done, she starts creeping closer. She spots that sergeant from Orador again. And she just kind of, like, hunkers down in the trees to wait for the SS Major. Um, she waits for hours and hours and doesn't see him. But she eventually assumes he's in this concrete pillbox at the edge of the woods. Um... At some point, she falls asleep and is awakened to artillery fire shaking the world around her. And, you know, after making sure she's okay, she kind of takes advantage of all this chaos to crawl closer into the camp. Um, And she spots some German officers mulling around the outside of the pillbox. And they're, like, talking about moving the camp and finding other cover. And they start joking that all the Americans blew up their latrine. And, you know, this seems like a great spot great time to go take a piss so they all kind of dispatch into their areas to go to different trees and she spots the officer who had had his back to her and sure enough it's Adolf douchebag um and she briefly wonders if it's worth dying to kill this one nazi but her body moves before she can truly think about it and she walks up to him and says that she's come to make him an offer she has american cigarettes He kind of hesitates and asks her how she came by the cigarettes, and she pulls out her pistol and tells him to follow her. He tells her that he doesn't fear death, and she says she was going to shoot him in the legs, like she did to the men in Orador. And that- oh my god, fucking. He tells her that he was shocked to hear what happened at Orador, he had no part in that, because as it turns out, they searched the wrong village, and they were actually headed to Orador Servars. And- Rainy just just like get face down on the ground and she assures him that she won't shoot him. She just wants to run away. Um, and he seems very inconvenienced by this, but he obeys. Rainy puts her gun away, goes and grabs a piece of concrete from where the pillbox got hit, lifts it up and slams it against the back of his head with all of her might. The blow is not loud enough to alert anybody nearby. She says, that's for Bernard. I liked that kid. Yep. Fucking killed that asshole. Mm-hmm. He dead. Fucking With dead. Rock. With a rock to the back of the head. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. I just can't agree with anybody more. <laughs> I cannot condone an action more. Yeah. <laughs> like, was it brutal? Was it not quick and clean? Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Fuck him. After what he did? I don't give a shit. Well, and the casualty of him being like, oh yeah, it was the wrong village, but we still killed everybody. Oops. My bad. Yeah. Like, fucking monster. Fucking monster. And like, that's... Ugh. It's just, what a monstrous fucking poor excuse for a human being. Yeah. Yep. Can't. can't But he's dead now. He's dead now, so... Yay! Yay! <laughs> oh. Oh, 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 oh. Oh. 
right, letters. Letters? Letters. Letters. All right. First one is from Frangie. Hi, Mom, Dad, and Obal. Well, we are all done with D-Day. I imagine you've heard about it, and yes, I was there, right on Omaha Beach. And Obal, guess what I'm assigned to? A colored tank battalion. And since I could practically hear you asking, yes, I have been inside a Sherman tank, and I've ridden on one. In fact, I'm sitting on a log right now, and not 50 feet away from is one of our tanks having a bogey wheel replaced. We are off the front lines right now, so I am helping to set up the aid station. Mostly paperwork and unpacking boxes. I find it very boring, but dullness is welcome given the alternative. Anyway, the brass will probably move us up again soon, but please don't worry. The Germans have been pretty decent about honoring the Red Cross, just like we do with their aid people. I was sorry to hear that Daddy is unwell. I hope it's nothing serious. Get better soon, Dad. Since you asked, Mom, I could use some things from home, but only if it's easy and only if it doesn't strain the family finances. I would love a couple extra pairs of socks for myself. Also, if you happen to have any old torn or run stockings, those make excellent tourniquets. And this will sound crazy, but M&Ms, you know, the candy? I sometimes give a few to soldiers who are hurt. It calms them down and makes them think of home. Well, that's it for now. Daddy, get well. Love to you all, Frangie. Daddy. 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 Get well, Daddy. Your ass are so simple. I know. Socks. Old leggings. Or old nylons, rather. M&M's. Oh. <gasps> Wonderful. Beautiful. Beautiful person. I love her so much. Uh, she's so... She's just... She's an amazing person. I love her. I want to be her friend. Me too. She'd be a great friend. Alright. Oh, this next one's from Brainy's mom. Uh, Dear Colonel Herkemeyer, I am writing to you as the mother of a soldier. My daughter, Elisheva Rainey Shelterman, works for you, I believe. We have not had a letter from her in some time. I'm sure I'm just being silly, but could you ask her to write so I know she's alright? Thank you, Ethel Shelterman. She's in the fucking woods, bruh. She's in the woods. She just killed a Nazi, bruh. She's in the woods killing the Nazis, letter B. Yeah. She's fine. Emotionally damaged, but fine. <laughs> She's not, she's not fine, but not she's, okay. she's fine. She's fine. Okay. She's my chemical romance levels of fine. Yeah. Oh my God. This is it. This is Ugh. the fucking. Ready to rage. Get my punching hands on. Get your fisticuffs out. Put up your Fisticuffs. Dearest Rio, I feel that our last meeting went badly and I'm sure I'm entirely at fault. I'm afraid I get a bit keyed up before a mission, especially as the previous two had gone badly with my plane having to return for repairs. I apologize if I was beastly. I don't know why I'm doing this voice. I think because I didn't think I could hate him more, but I I can. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh, man. Yesterday, we had one of our socials, a sort of drinks and dancing evening in the village. All Must the guys- be fucking nice! Sorry. I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> That's true, though. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, all the guys were there, and there were lots of nurses and Red Cross ladies, but yours truly be- behaved like a perfect gentleman. I only danced with the old battle axe who was in charge of the nurses, and I drank very little. You would have been proud. Why? 
Why would she? I kept my dick in my pants. Aren't you so proud of me? No, I'm fucking not proud of you. Like, that's basic goddamn shit. Like, I didn't cheat on you. Aren't you proud of me? Aren't you proud of me for not fucking other women? No. In no way am I proud of you. For, it's expected behavior minimum. <laughs> like, no, I was a good boy. Didn't didn't cheat on you. I deserve praise for this. It must I be so hard for you because you have a dick baby. to not have sex with people who you weren't in a relationship with. It must be so hard. God, you have a dick, so it must have been so fucking hard for you. <laughs> Fuck off, you dumb piece of fucking shit. I hate this guy so much. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh my god, at my ice cream social where we had drinks and dancing. We're in a fucking war, bro. Rio's goddamn milking cows and drinking rotten milk out of her goddamn sweat helmet while you're drinking the punch with the ladies. Like, Fuck you. <laughs> Wait, there's more. I know there's more. That's the worst part. Of course there's more. Sorry. <laughs> I, I've derailed so badly. It, no, it's great. I'm loving this library act situation. Even if I had been tempted to stray or let my eye wander, I would have had no chance because all the fellows have decided that you're the sort of girl who might come after me with that knife of yours. It's become a regular thing to tease me about you. So just bring up the same complaints you have. I'm over it. I'm sorry I behaved that way. I was keyed up before a mission. But also it's still a problem for me that they're teasing me. Like... My guy, if the only reason you're not cheating on someone is because they're going to cut off your dick with a knife, maybe you shouldn't be with them. Listen, I'm not a fucking licensed therapist, but if the only reason your partner isn't fucking other people is because you will cut off their dick, then that is not a relationship built on respect. That dude is a fucking asshole. And you know what? He's going to have sex with other people. He's going to. Probably has. He probably has. I am sure he has. With the the woman that was at the thing that he kept making eyes at when she was yeah. at the base. Yeah. He was all fucking awkward about. Absolutely. They've already fucked. And yeah. you know what? Like, honestly, why? <sighs> why the fuck would you bring up the same shit that you were fighting? I'm over it. I'm good. I'm over it. You'd be so proud of me. We're together. We're great. We're love. We're wonderful. But also... Just so you know, I'm still mad about this thing that you have no control over, that you have nothing to do with. But I'm going to go ahead and blame you. Like, <laughs> what the fuck, bro? Yep. I hate this guy. I hate this guy so fucking much. I just... It's so bad. He's so awful. He's such a shitty person. He's the worst. He's the fucking worst. He's... I, I just... The last line of this fucking letter, though? Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I I haven't even gone love... nuclear yet. <laughs> <laughs> love it. Oh, God. I don't mind much because anytime they say your name, I still see you not as who you are now, but as the girl I knew from back home in Jedwell Falls. Jedwell Falls. Um, someday, hopefully soon, this will all be over and life can go back to normal. Maybe then we can get back to being regular old Strand and regular old Rio. 
I'd like to put this all behind me, and I know you must feel the same. We will need to put all of this out of our minds and just be a man and his girl again. Fuck off! Alright, so let's just go through these points one by one. (laughs) (laughs) Again, the point we made before, I just want you to be the person who I had the most power over. Yep. Okay. For sure. So also, I can't wait to put this all behind us so we can just be a man and his woman again. So once again, I would just like to take all of your accomplishments and how incredible you are and like all the things that you've done and ignore them so that you can be my dainty little wife that will have my kids. Mm-hmm. Also, I'm sorry, as if Rio wasn't incredibly talented enough already with all the shit she can do, leading people, the charisma, the planning, the intelligence. Now she's got to make pancakes for your dumb ass. I'm sorry. You want to you wanna relegate her to making pancakes for you? Well, you do what? I'm sorry. Go to work and fuck your secretary, you dumb piece of shit. No. I don't. I will not fucking stand for this. Abso-fucking-lutely not. There is one place that I think it would be completely appropriate for Rio to give you pancakes. It's directly up your fucking ass, you piece of shit. You don't deserve a goddamn thing. And I I hate this guy. I fucking hate this guy so goddamn much. We didn't even get to the pancakes yet. <laughs> Sorry, I went off on the pancakes. <laughs> Let's get to the pancakes. I'm already there in my okay. mind. Okay. I guess we haven't really talked much about after, have we? I don't suppose, or I suppose I don't feel I have the right until the war is over. I don't want to try and tie you down when anything could happen to me. But if we can turn back the clock someday, back to before, I think we'll be fine. I sometimes daydream about it and picture heading off to work in the morning with your pancakes in my belly and your kiss on my lips. You can make pancakes, I hope. That's a joke. Anyway, I love you and miss you, Strand. It's not a joke. It's not a fucking joke. It's not a fucking joke. Ah! <laughs> uh, I, I don't want to tie you down to laugh for the war. I'm sorry. Just say that you just want to fuck around and not commit. Just say it, girl. 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 We've all we've all dated that guy who's like, I don't want to just find a relationship. I don't want to be Ah! Yeah. yeah. I'm not ready for labels just yet. I feel like we're both young and should be, you know, doing other things right now. Just say what you fucking mean, bro. Just say what you fucking mean. Punch him in his face. And his I want to destroy him. I want to destroy him. He's the worst. He is the fucking worst. Like, listen, like, listen, really, like, like, this this level of rage that we're bringing is very different from the level of rage we bring about, like, Nazis. Like, yeah. Yeah. like this, is, yeah. this is an attainable, like, I, I don't even know. I don't even know how to. Yeah, it's like, one is like an all-consuming evil that is beyond our comprehension, and like, the yeah. other is Nazis. <laughs> It's terrible. Oh my god, that took me off. <laughs> I like fell sideways. I'm like, 
shit. You, you put the rug, the whole rug. Strand bracked it so fucking much. <laughs> it's it's just a I see Strand Braxton in every sh- shitty relationship that I've ever had. Like, like I know this man. I know this man well. Like, yeah. Anybody who buys into this like fucking male power fantasy that you have power over any other person like you're shit you're awful like fuck off yeah Ugh. yeah god oh there's there's other letters sorry we can- <laughs> <laughs> the next one's really sad <laughs> oh, i'm so no. sorry <laughs> oh no oh i think the rest of them are just really sad fuck okay yeah well rio's is fine yeah okay fuck strand braxton that's all um dearest lupe i don't know why i'm writing to you we got the notice today they sent an army chaplain to tell us since we don't have anyone carrying telegrams out here i guess you wouldn't figure your old dad for the kind to cry but i can't seem to stop i love you so much and i am so proud of you i guess i never told you that but you know i'm old-fashioned my father Well, you never knew him, but he was tough, and I guess I thought I had to be tough, too. But my heart is broken, that's the truth of it. I don't know what to do, sweetheart. Everything is just all wrong now. I can't bring myself to believe it. I still expect to see you come up the drive, and I would rush out and greet you, and would throw the biggest barbecue with all the neighbors and all the hands. That's been the picture I've kept in my mind ever since you left. Now they tell me you won't be coming home at all. There's talk of a graveyard there in France. It feels wrong to me. I want you here. You should be with Grand Martinez and Pops and your mom. Baby, my baby, my little girl. I keep going over every time we'd ever disagreed or argued. I can't help it. I just wish so many things had not been said and so many other things had been said. I love you, Lupe. I know you were in the loving arms of Jesus. That's what your mother would say if she were here. I'm writing this because I hope somehow you can read this letter from heaven. Someday Mama and I will be with you again. In my father's house are so many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. That's what it says in the book. I go to prepare a place for you. That's what Jesus said, and I have to believe it or go nuts. So, baby, my darling, my sweetest Guadalupe, you're with your mother now, so the two of you just wait for me in that mansion. Leave a light on. All of my love, Daddy. That's fucking sad. (laughs) Yeah. Shit. All right. Jeanneau, I know you have other things on your mind, but I simply had to tell you. Your father and I have separated. I won't go into the sordid reasons, but we have agreed to sell the house. I have rented a small apartment, just one bedroom, I'm afraid, from Mrs. Brannigan's brother. Your father has moved to Oakland. I know nothing of his situation there. Perhaps he'll write to you, but just remember this was not my choice. He's the one who strayed. I just felt you should know, because when you get out of the army, you'll have to think about where to live. Mother. (laughs) <laughs> what the fuck? What the fuck? <laughs> Ouch. I'm just ready to let you know there's nowhere for you to come home. Goodbye. <laughs> I hate it. I you hate know what? It. 
Love that. That's the letter someone in the war wants to get. Fuck. Yeah. Thanks, Mom. Thanks, Mom. Ugh. All right. Dear Maria, so your sergeant's a terror, is she? That makes me laugh. What did I tell you? Man or woman, a sergeant is a sergeant is a sergeant. My old sergeant could curse the paint off a barn door, spit tobacco juice 30 feet, and keep us all running until we dropped dead on the ground and he was still running in place. Backward. Mother and Papa are fine, and so am I. Papa and I got the old Ford running, finally, and the weather has been glorious. Well, as you know, I'm not a writer, so I best keep this short. Anyway, it's pretty boring here and much more exciting where you are. Take care, Mimo. We all miss you here, and we are very proud. Even Grandpa though he won't admit it and still mutters about it being unnatural and so on. Keep your head down. Come home in one piece. Your loving brother, Tommy. 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 <laughs> He's yerked, but we don't find that out until the next book. <laughs> oh no! You <laughs> <laughs> can't trust anything he says. can't trust anything he says. Weather's not glorious at all. <laughs> it's not. It's terrible fucking lie god all right last one dear mother and father i don't have much time i'm only in the rear to pick up replacements and give bb an opportunity to scrounge up some smokes and booze and necessary items but i wanted to at least get a note to you to say that i am all right the landing was tough and the fighting afterward has been tough but the word is the crowds are retreating and we should be in paris soon maybe i can send you a bottle of perfume from there something alluring and foreign That's for mother, of course. Father, I still remember you telling me to find a good sergeant and stick to him. And now I am the sergeant, though I don't know if I'm a good one. To say it isn't easy isn't the half of it. I don't like it much, to tell the truth. My people still treat me in a friendly way, but it's different. There are times when they don't want me around because I'm Sarge now, not just Ricklin. Even Cheneau. No one warns you, but the higher up you go, the more lonely it gets. It's almost enough to make me feel sorry for Ike. I do have a quick funny story, though. The other day when we were on a hike, we came across some very full cows and nobody to milk them. So me and one of my new privates did the job. I believe we set a speed record for milking. The smell really took me back and made me feel a little sad. And the taste was great, too. Though I happen to think our cows give a sweeter... Damn. Okay, my ride is here, and I think BB is anxious to make his getaway. I suspect the two big cans of peaches in his arms come from the officer's mess, and I know for sure that whatever is clinking in his rucksack did. Bye for now. Love, Rio. Fucking BB, I swear to God. It's like the most fucking California thing ever to like start dunking on foreign cows. <laughs> like, Happy cows come from California. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> cows aren't as good here, mom and dad. <laughs> cows here are shitty. Cows here are shitty. Don't like them as much. They're just not as happy. Don't have as much free grazing. <laughs> they're not as happy because there's literally bombs going off at any given time of day. Oh. Yeah, the bombs probably do affect the taste. Of the, <laughs> the happiness level of the oh cows. My <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, that's part three. Part one. The end of part one. Part, our, our part three. Shit. <laughs> We're all around. We're all over. Yeah, that's the end. I dig it. I enjoy it. Oh my god. Shit! Half this book left. Oh my god. No. Oh my god. I know. Oh my god. 
I I don't. It's gonna be bad. It's gonna be bad, right? It's gonna be real bad. It's gonna be fucking bad. Think about what happened with Rainy, and we have half a book left. Shit. She's gonna go through it. Yep. Well. Yeah, we need to read something happy after this. (laughs) I just got, um... Catherine Applegate's children book Sometimes You Fly in the Mail today Oh, and it was like thicker than expected but then I started going through it and it's like a board page book so it's like one sentence per page oh. and I was like this is about the speed that I'm gonna go for <laughs> like not that that's what I'm saying we have to do but like it was just one thing we're like looking at front lines and looking at Sometimes You Fly I'm like yep yeah, I could use yeah. a pick me up <laughs> <laughs> oh man I thought it was very funny um, when the Gone trailer went up. I haven't watched it, but um, and Catherine retweeted it saying like, not for the faint of heart or something yeah. like that. Not for the squeamish, including me. And I'm like, Catherine, you wrote Animorphs. Yeah. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Come on, Catherine. Come on. <laughs> Catherine, you wrote Endling. Like, there's some heavy shit in those books, Catherine. Yeah. I feel like I th- I think Michael Grant even said this on his profile before the trailer came out. Something like it, Catherine, because of her audience, really can't post this on her profile. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. I I did watch the trailer. It's yeah. it's intense. Shit. Like I've read the first book and even like seen the trailer, I was like, oh shit! Like that's fucked up. Uh I I don't know if I should watch it. I don't know anything about God. It gives you like a little intro about like the phase and everything. It's mm-hmm. but yeah. Shit. Well, if if audience you wanna go watch the Gone trailer, um you should go do that. Mike Michael Grant put it up all over his yeah. Twitter profile, so if you just find go find Twitter. that, you can I think it's get... like at Michael Grant Books but BKS for books. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. He's around. He's around on Twitter. He's He'll yelling about him. stuff. Yelling about stuff. Um that's a great segue. Should we give our Twitter handle and shit now? Yeah, let's do it. That was a it. great segue. Let's do our seven-minute outro. Our, here's, Dan, here's our seven-minute outro. Dan. Maybe we'll make it eight minutes. This is Maybe spicy. we'll make it 15 minutes, because fuck. <laughs> <laughs> um, if you can't find Michael Grant's Twitter, find at Animorsa Non or Apple Grant Book Club. I don't remember what the Twitter handle is. That's not right. It's Apple, Apple Grant, Grant cast. cast. There we go. Yeah. yeah, find us there. We probably retweeted some shit, probably, of Catherine and Michaels. You can find it there. Do it. If uh-huh. you want to find us on Instagram, it's at Animorphs Anonymous or at Apple Grant Cast. Same as before. If you want to find us on Facebook, it's at Animorphs Anonymous or Apple Grant Book Club. Or you can go to our super secret, super awesome subgroup, the Andalite Bandalites, and you can ask permission to be let in. I will grant it to you if you seem cool you have to seem cool i'm just kidding i I just grant i I check it to make sure you're not a robot and then i grant access that's all i do uh yeah so you can come join us there uh where else where else discord we have that a discord you can come there and talk to us and other people Everyone is so cool on the Discord, even though they throw us shade sometimes about our seven-minute outros. Yeah, even if they're mean sometimes, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, if you want to join our Discord, uh, hit us up on any of our socials. We'll get you the link. You can come hang out with us. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's where you can find... Oh, um, we have archived episodes of Animorphs Anonymous on our YouTube page that we share with Cabinist Crisis. Uh, that is at Strong Shape International. If you want to listen to old Animorphs Anonymous episodes, you can go there. But what if... Oh, no. What if... I am tired of podcasts, and I just want a medium where I can read and enjoy my life silently. <laughs> if you want... A silent enjoyment that does not yes. have blood and violence and and terrible shit um that is slightly more goofy and and sappy uh i make a web comic it's called b-side you uh and you can read it right now for free at b-s-i-d-e-y-o-u-comic.com you can read it on tapas and you can read it on webtoons and you can read it on Patreon and and uh, also on Patreon you can get early access pages you can get work in progress pages if you pledge to help me with the comic and 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 um there's a podcast there allegedly (laughs) yeah allegedly for an alleged $895 a month you can just get Dan throwing shade at me for however long you want because we do this later cast, and he will—he throws the most amount of shit. <laughs> we finally got together for our first live in-person meeting of the Slater cast, and he—he he just threw shade. <laughs> That's not true at all. He was like the sweetest human being on the planet. I'm so sorry, Dan. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to slander you this, this whole Rose. time. This is a Dan Rose, and I didn't mean it. You're so sweet and nice and i'm sorry that i just claimed you were so mean the whole time it was one very excellent roast and the rest of the time you were nice but i was gonna focus on the negative oh no oh Oh, my god oh shit it was so good though It it was so fucking good that's amazing it was so good god oh man so this microphone that uh, I'm I'm currently speaking into was given to me by a friend who does a podcast with Alex. Alex does many other fucking podcasts with people. Tell me about them, please. Oh, you mean the microphone from Corey? Yeah, that one. Corey? Oh, yeah, Thanks, Corey. yeah. Corey's on Dungeons and Dragon Beams, which is an Animorphs podcast where we play D&D as some Animorphs looking ass kids. Corey plays Grant, who yells a lot, and I like to post memes about it. In our Discord, <laughs> which is great for me. I play Savannah. Uh, Nate's there, too. If you're in our Discord, you'll have met Nate, the Splendersmith. He is on, on DNDB, as we lovingly call it. And uh, and then, of course, Austin, our oh. southern gentleman that runs the show. Uh, yeah, anyways, if you want to come hang out with some fucking idiot teens with a death wish that like to slap animals and get fucking lit <laughs> as a goddamn dog. <laughs> oh, no. It's not at all what happens on our show, but Dungeons and Drinking Beams. <laughs> oh, no. uh, yeah, so you can check us out there. Let's see. What are some other podcasts I do? Let's see. My other known associates, Tim and Jenna, we do Horse Girls, Horse which Girls. is a podcast where we talk about horse books, YA novels. Uh, we just 
Um, literally tomorrow, by the time this episode comes out, it'll be weeks ago, we will have wrapped the entirety of the Heartland series, not including Chestnut Hill. That is a different series. Listen, don't, don't, don't say Chestnut Hill is part of Heartland. It's not under the same name. It's a continuation of this series, but it's not right. Uh, anyways, yeah, we, um, we have done that. And by the time this episode comes out, hey, maybe you know Chris Grine, a little, little guy I like to call Chris Grine, who's animorted, animorted. Animal. Yep, he illustrated Nanor's graphic novel. Uh, he is on an episode of Horse Girls. So, <laughs> so wild. If you want to see an Animorphs man be confused about horses, <laughs> we got you. Check out Horse Girls. <laughs> oh my god. Oh uh, shit. Uh, also, Cadmus Do Crisis is this a Superboy podcast? We share our YouTube with them. They are cool. I am on that show sometimes. Uh, what else? Uh, Soup Salad Sandwiches around. There's some episodes of that. There's other podcasts that we can't talk about. Super secret podcasts, but you'll find out about soon. So just stay tuned. Stay the fuck tuned. Stay the fuck tuned. Fuck tuned. Speaking of tunes, thank you, Jess, for awesome theme music. We love it. And find Jess at It's Reese on Twitter. Hell yeah. What else? (laughs) I think that's it. I think that's fuck. Are okay. just killing time to like fuck with Dan now? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't reached our seven minute marker. Shit. Actually, we probably have. We probably I, have. But... I made a mental note of the timestamp and I think it was 2.03 and now it's 2.10. Okay, nice. Boy. We've hit it. Okay. Excellent. Bye. This was for you, Dan. Bye. <laughs>